Welcome to the People of Canterbury Baptist, a podcast where we meet the people of Canterbury Baptist Church in Melbourne, Australia, hear their stories and explore ideas relevant to our church and community. My name is Stephen and for today's episode, let's conclude our conversation with Deborah. Hello, Deb. Welcome back to the People of Canterbury Baptist. Hi, Stephen. Really enjoyed our conversation last time. I just really appreciate your, your openness and, and willingness just to talk us through the earlier years of your life. But I'm now looking forward to uh, picking up from there and carrying up until the present day. And I think we have to start with a certain gentleman whose name you mentioned in passing mm-hmm. in our last chat, but I think, I think might need a bit more emphasis this time around. So can, can you just go into a bit more detail? How did you meet your now husband, Peter? Yeah, so um, we were part of a wider youth group. Um, that was um, uniting church based, and um, my close girlfriend at high school um, was part of this youth group, and so she invited me along. Um, and we had, I had been attending their activities. We would have Friday nights. We would have um, Sunday nights at uh, back at you know um, different people's homes. Um, and we were just, yeah, we're just all a really quite a large group. Sometimes there would only be 10 of us. Sometimes there would be 30 of us. Um, we all got cars and then we sort of started, I guess, seeing each other, like, you know, at the wider group outside of the organized activities. Um, and there was this group of guys that were, um, so five guys that had, gone to Doncaster Uniting. My girlfriend was part of another uniting church. Um, anyway, these all these guys just seemed appealing to me. They just seemed to have so much fun. And so uh, we sort of started hanging out a, a little bit more sort of socially, I guess. And um, my girlfriend had gone out with a few of the, like, I don't know if it was to be called youth group sort of stuff, but Different people went out with different people at different times. Um, I was just really friends with everyone. And because I was nursing, um, I would work shift work and so I couldn't always attend everything that everybody else was attending. So I was sort of there on the fringe and and then, you know, involved some more times and then sort of less times, I, I guess, depending on my rosters. Um, but, uh, yeah, my girlfriend actually said to me, I think you and Pete would be a really good match. And I was like, really? Anyway, I, I don't know if she actually ever said that to him or not, but he, he asked me out for dinner. And I'd actually never really looked at any of them, including him, more than just a friend. Um, but I, I did like the idea of um, meeting someone that was church going. Um, and uh, although I had had a couple of sort of high school boyfriends, none of them were church going. So, um, and they, you know, they were nothing really <laughs> in hindsight. So this was, I guess, the first opportunity to um, to go out with someone that you know we also went to church and yeah, different activities. So, so I thought, well, why not give it a give it a go, I guess. And um, he's admitted to me, you know, more recently, he sort of thought the same, like, we've got nothing to lose. Let's just give it a go and see if it works. And we didn't look back <laughs> 30 so, years later. So what was it about Peter that, uh, that uh, I guess, took him from the friend zone into the, uh, into the husband zone? Um, lots of things, really. Uh, Humour. Um, he, he made me laugh. 
Um, he made me feel secure, which I don't think I had felt before. Um, he came to our house and was um, he he passed the the test as such of sitting around at a table of dinner with six other girls and you know um, my mum and stepfather. So um, we used to always joke when the boyfriend you know came over for dinner because it was pretty daunting and he was from a family where there was only just him and his sister. Um, so yeah, so he survived that really well. <laughs> Um, and yeah, we, I'm just trying to think what else we really had in common. I don't know. Not, I mean, he was, he was working at the bank at the at the time. So very different career to mine. His mum was a nurse. So she thought it was wonderful. Like she just loved me from the minute I set eyes of her. So I'd never pass any tests there. Um, but yeah, I just, I think I just didn't, we just enjoyed each other's company and hanging out and, um, yeah. Him, him providing yeah some humour and some security. I think. So at the same time, you're you're going out with Pete, and this relationship is blossoming. You, you finished high school. You're now post high school. So describe for us what did you do after high school? So um, we actually didn't start going out until my second year of nursing. So although we'd been um, friends in this wider sort of group, youth group. Um, so, uh, straight after school, I worked in the city at a jewellers for, um, almost a year because back then to go into the hospital system, you had to have worked for 12 months in the wider community, I guess, for maturity. Um, so I started the following October at the Alfred hospital and I moved into the nurse's home. So I guess it was sort of a done thing then. So that was 1984. And um, so, yeah, turned up there on the on the first day, you moved into the nurse's home and then you had um, 12 weeks of what they called preliminary training school where you'd go to school on site and, um, and live in this like dormitory style accommodation really it was a pretty old building down next to the hospital the you know Fred in um, commercial road pran and um you had your own room but you shared kitchen facilities you shared bathroom facilities and there was just a big long tunnel to the hospital um so it was all on site and I would come home most weekends um or you know my days off so I still had my bedroom at home um yeah, and I had a car. So so it was actually my second year of nursing that we that Pete and I got together. Mm. Did you start thinking twice about the choice of becoming a nurse once you found yourself stuck for 12 weeks in this um this this weird bunkhouse or you know this accommodation walking through a tunnel to get to the hospital? <laughs> like it sounds like a fairly fairly intense opening experience of your nursing nursing career. Um once again I was very blessed. I had um two girlfriends that were in my same corridor that um, we befriended like they're now say in our group of 60 people and they were both church-going girls and we continue to be friends right to today. So um, I got to know them quite quickly and uh, one of them lives in Box Hill here. We still walk together every week um, for an hour. And, and I guess that's our, um, our counseling sessions for each other. Um, but yeah, so, you know, God put me in a good place with, with, you know, lovely people. And, um, 
Yeah, so no, I, I loved it. And and I guess it was also a, an escape from home. Um, and I, I stayed there for the three years. Like you actually only had to be there for the 12 weeks and many people moved out after that. But I, I stayed there for the three years that I was training in this room. <laughs> Which meant you stayed there for, during the week and then went, went home most weekends. That was a pattern of life for three years. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So how long until, uh, at what point in this journey, did you and Peter get married? Yeah, so um, after I finished my training, I moved out into um, a share house with a, with one of my girlfriends um, uh, that had also been there for the three years. And um, so her and I lived together for almost two years and then um, Pete and I got married. So he was still living at home at that stage. Um, and we bought a little unit in East Ringwood um, and so, um, yeah, I was 23 going on 24 and he was two years older. Um, and so by that stage, so I'd finished my nursing, uh, three years, moved out, continued on at the Alfred for another couple of years. And then when we got married, um, I really felt that would, um, would be a good thing for our marriage if I worked regular hours. And so I, uh, got a job at district nursing in Box Hill, so um, I worked there for, for the first 12 months that we were married, um, which was, yeah, more Monday to Friday type work. Um, and, yeah, it, it was good because it meant that we could then commit to things like going to church. Um, uh, I went back to calisthenics for a year and just, yeah, it was a, it was a regular life, which, um, you know, all of our courting years was not regular with, with different shift work and stuff. So, so that was good. What is it about nursing that you love? Um, There's lots of things I love about it. Um, I guess probably just caring for people, helping people, um, guiding them in different situations, um, them allowing me to be a little part of their life whilst I can try and help. Are there are there specialisations in nursing that you've uh, explored and uh, and developed within yourself? Hmm. So after um, that twelve months of district nursing, I actually hated every minute of my district nursing, um, which is really the only time in my life that I haven't enjoyed nursing. But I decided that I would when I started, I thought I'll just do this for twelve months and see. So at the end of the twelve months, I took annual leave and I never went back. <laughs> um, I went back into hospital nursing, but in the private system. So the hours were better. Um, you didn't have to do night duty and the weekends weren't as regular. Um, and whilst I was at Mitcham Private, it was then, um, there was advances and opportunities for me to do further study because during the hospital system, you get a certificate um, to advance, you needed a degree. So I had to do some part-time um, study as well as working full-time. Um, so I did my degree and then I went on and did um, urology nursing. So one of the doctors there um, had approached my boss and said, we really need a urology nurse um, in this hospital to look after specific patients. And she sort of tapped me on the shoulder and said, Deb, you know, I think this would be really good specialty for you when you have children, um, which was the last thing on my mind at that time. Um, she said, you know, there will be regular hours and um, so, you know, would you do it? So they 
put me through another course and um, and it, it, it really has moved on from there. So I am now a urology nurse specialist and um, with that I have gone on to become a prostate cancer nurse specialist and I've done um, more training um, over the years. Um, even last year I did some more training as well. So, um, so yeah, just ongoing really. You and Peter have some have some children together. Was that uh, was was that an ambition, a plan that you had? Yep. So we did always want to have children together um, because we married. You know, well nowadays we'd be fairly quite young, but at that time all our friends were getting married at twenty between twenty three and twenty five. <laughs> um, we did wait um, until we were um, early thirties, so we had um, a good you know five or six years before we actually um, had children. And, um, yeah, had the two girls um, and, yeah, it was, yeah, that was good timing for us. We, um, we really enjoyed that time with just the two of us um, in the lead up and it, and it enabled us to, I guess, financially become quite solid. Um, so we'd moved from our unit into a, you know, more of a, a stable house where uh, we were able to, you know, have the room for children. Um, and that was, that's always been something that's been quite important, especially for Pete, that we were, that we were planning and prepared um, to be able to offer them everything that we wanted to be able to. So your kids, I think, have now all left home. What's, uh, what's life like as an empty nester? Yeah, well, um, yeah, so Pete and I are just getting used to that. It's um, only been a few weeks, uh, probably less, just less than a month. Um, so Sammy, who's moved to Sydney, and, and Courtney's moved out with um, uh, a friend in Hawthorne. Um, so we're just sort of, I guess, finding our feet a little bit, but it's it's quite odd because now I've got a job where I'm mostly working from home. He's got a job where he's working from home, um, and then you know, we've got the evenings here as well. So um, all of a sudden we're seeing each other for breakfast, lunch and dinner. Um, but it's good. We're excited about, you know, the future and, um, yeah, fortunately we're still in a reasonable size house where we can separate <laughs> uh, for all of those necessary meetings and requirements. Um, and we're taking on new interests together. Um, we've been camping um, and or we've um, joined a forward drive club and um, so we're meeting some new friends um, and just doing a few things that perhaps we haven't been able to um, until this point. So um, we love our children and we love when they come over, um, but we're very much excited about, you know, what the future can hold at this point. Let's go back to the topic of, of your faith, uh, which we covered in the last podcast, but now entering into your, your, your adult years, actually – let me take you back a little bit. Can you remember a moment or a time in your life when Jesus became real and personal to you? I, I think he always was. <laughs> um, I do remember making a decision that I needed to um, get baptised because in the Baptist church I knew that that was something that was, I guess, um, expected and I wanted to do. Um, but I think, yeah, I, I think I always felt that um, it was personal um, and I think my grandparents on my father's side, because my grandfather was um, Baptist minister and he had an awesome faith and an awesome relationship with us, um, yeah, it was... Um, 
Yeah, it was always personal, I think. Hmm. So, uh, so in the, in in your now married years, young children, what was your faith journey like? Did did, did you continue attending church? Yeah, we did. So, um, so when we had the kids, um, Pete and I had had been at Blackburn um, Baptist, which then became Crossway, and so we um, took the children there, and um, that was a great time for me because I was. I was working part-time, but I was, you know, mostly a stay-at-home mum and they had great facilities for, for um, you know, Bible studies in the mornings where the kids would go into another room and be looked after and, you know, we could have de- designated sort of time, just the mums with a cuppa. You'd actually be able to sit and have a cuppa with some friends while the kids were being looked after and um, I was very thankful for that time. It was a great support um, hopefully one day I can do the same for other young mums. Um, so, yeah, no, so that that was good. Mm. And the kids, um, you know, very much enjoyed their time there until we came to live in Surrey Hills and the kids were um, grade one and grade three at that stage. And um, so we travelled back to Crossway for probably about six months and then um, they were the ones that were like, we actually really want to go somewhere local and we want to go somewhere that's smaller. So we tried um, the Uniting Church just very close to where we live, near the primary school, Canterbury Primary, um, but really it was Baptist Church that led us to um, to Canterbury Baptist and which is still clearly walking distance from where we live. Um, and right from the first day the kids were you know felt at home there and welcomed um as did i yeah so your so your two kids were basically the reason why you started coming to canterbury baptist church it's interesting Mm. that they that they at such a young age you described them what is a grade one and grade three at the time at Mm. such a young age they had they had already made the assessment that 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 they weren't into this large church thing that they wanted a, a place that was much much Smaller, your your kids must must have had an awful lot of awareness to be able to to reach that decision at such a young age. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I mean, I never really um, dwelled on it. I just thought, well, it's important for me that they want to go and that they want to be happy um, where where they are. And so, yeah, um, I, I was prepared to you know to do that. And um, yeah, no, it was it, it's been good. And, and you've been here ever since. So obviously, the, the the experience has been positive. You've you felt connected in, um, and so what are some of the qualities of of Canterbury Baptist Church that you that you, that you do really value? Yeah, it's an interesting question, isn't it? Um, I guess it's the friendships, the people that are there. Um, there have been some times where I've thought, is this still where I'm supposed to be? But um, I have felt a continued, yes, it is. <laughs> um, I haven't really had the need to look elsewhere, although I have with the kids, well, now uh, clearly adults, Um tried other churches with them just to try and, I guess, engage them a little bit more. Um, but I keep coming back to Canterbury and uh, I, um, even in recent times I don't feel like I have any reason to 
go anywhere else. And um, clearly with your um, leadership now, I'm, yeah, very happy. If you could speak to us as a congregation, um, and I guess uh, are, there, are there things that, that you'd like to say to us? Are there maybe opportunities that you see for, for us? Are there? You even spoke about every now and again just taking your children to other churches just to seek for other things. So that would tend to indicate for me that there may be there may have been some experiences in the church where you just recognised Canterbury Baptist was not able to give you as a family what you needed for a particular time. I'm just interested to hear your reflections maybe of what we might speak of as the gaps those things that maybe we don't see within ourselves because we are in the church so deep, but maybe for you from your point of view, you go, well, actually there are some things that it'll be good to highlight and just just let people be aware that maybe there are some opportunities or some spaces that we might be able to, to fill up. Um, I think probably the, the main thing in that area is just the ages of the people that are in the congregation and um, – it's, you know, there's a clear gap in that young adult age group um, at the moment. Um, so I guess from that, and because I had such fond memories of, you know, meeting my life partner through a youth group that um, there was, you know, was very active, there was lots of people in that sort of um, age sector, I guess that would have been good for my kids, but it's, you know, it hasn't had that. But, I mean, uh, no fault of the church. They've, they've tried. <laughs> um, it, you know, it's just a demographic probably um, of, of the area. Um, I'm excited by what the church is doing with the new, new plans and new projects and, you know, I, I plan on being around to, you know, see that, that all happen and, um, yeah, uh, I don't know that I've got a lot of other words of wisdom or, or suggestions. Really, I'm I'm pretty much go with the flow type of girl. And <laughs> what's your hope for our future? Um, I guess just to continue to be a presence in the community, um, be a welcoming. Um, church, which it always has been. I don't see any reason why it won't be in the future. Um, that is all encompassing and um, you know open to anyone who wants to walk in the door. Deborah, it's been an incredible joy and a great privilege to be able just to speak with you. So thank you for taking this time to be able to just open up your story for us. And I, uh, I just uh, just trust that everyone who has a chance to listen to this will uh, will appreciate hearing your story and go. Oh, now we know Deb just just mm-hmm. a little bit better. So thank you for allowing us just access into into a few of those, the, the corners of your lives and just giving us a deeper sense of who you are. You're welcome, Stephen. Thank you. And thank you to everyone who was tuned in to listen. This podcast is produced and presented by Stephen Field on behalf of Canterbury Baptist Church, Melbourne, Australia. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can email cbc at canterburybaptist.org. If you're a member or regular attender of this church, how about you get in touch with Deb directly and thank her for her contribution today. The music is a song, The First Step, by Andrew Naylor from his album, Two Stones. This album is available wherever you purchase or stream your music. Join us next time as we continue our chats with the people of Canterbury Baptist.